Welcome to the Resilient Chat with Nat. I am Natasha O.M., your host for this podcast. As a female trauma survivor and a somatic trauma coach, I understand the healing journey can be overwhelming. I'm here to guide you to release trauma that is stored in the body by aligning the mind and body together so you can feel safe in your body, build resilience, and thrive in your life. My intention is to create a ripple effect of love, growth, and consciousness. This is a space where I will be sharing with you a combination of ancient and modern teachings to help you build resilience and move from pain to power. Hello, my love. So this episode is an important one because, you know, Suicide is like the silent pandemic that has been going on for years and so we need to have a conversation about this topic and especially after the year that we just had in 2020, I'm aware that the suicide rate has gone up around the world and more and more people are struggling with depression and or anxiety. So with the events that are going on in the world, it can trigger a lot of people and also people losing their jobs as well or students who are not able to go back to school and meet their friends and socialize and also for the parents as well who would then have to take on more responsibilities at home when their children are also um, now spending more time at home and not being able to go to school. And then with the quarantine as well, for some people, it may feel familiar, the feeling of isolating themselves. And so it can or it may feel comfortable for them. And while for some other people, it may feel very uncomfortable and triggering. And so considering that there is a very real threat in the world right now that is affecting all of us as an individual and as a collective, our protective parts are coming into activation and telling us that this right here is not safe. And remember that our protective parts are activated to protect us and help us to go through this moment or any difficult moments. And from that, they can show up as anxiety, frustration, feeling immobilized, shut down, or depression. And sometimes when it goes to an extreme, it can make a person feel like they, it can make a person feel like they cannot see their future, feel like they cannot see anything that is good or that could be good in their life. And with that, suicide can happen. And so again, this is an important topic that we absolutely need to talk about. I would love that we break this stigma around mental health and 
I'm going to need your help to do this, to break this mental health stigma. Okay, so first thing first, before anything else and before you continue listening to this episode, please note that if you are having some intrusive thoughts, suicide ideation, or just feeling very vulnerable right now, please seek support immediately. Check for suicide crisis hotlines that are available in the country where you reside in. So I'm not going to provide a specific suicide hotline just because I know that there are many people who are listening from around the world, so it might not apply to you, but please do check it. Um, You can just simply Google suicide crisis hotline that is available in your country. Um, Sometimes maybe your country will not have a suicide crisis hotline, maybe that can happen. And if that is the case, you can also check for support groups or reach out to a mental health professional immediately or speak to someone who you can truly trust. So I just want you to know that your feelings matter. Please know that you matter. Even though I might not know you, you deserve to be heard, seen, and understood. And please know there are people out there that can support you in getting through this. Healing and growth are possible. I have experienced it and I have seen it happening to others as well. This is really coming from me uh, as a trauma survivor and um, survivor of suicide as well. So once again, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it is so, so important that I remind you this, that if you are feeling vulnerable, having intrusive and or um, suicidal thoughts, I advise you to seek support and perhaps skip this episode. In this episode, even though I shared some deep experiences of what I went through and surviving suicide attempts, there is also a lot of um, hope as well. I shared some truly valuable and teachable moments. So after you have taken that into consideration, and I really hope you do it, please, please, please uh, make a decision before continuing to listen to this. And if you do decide to continue to listen to this episode, I hope that you know how to regulate your experience, um, you have support near you, or that you just take this, uh, listen very mindfully. Suicide is not a matter to take lightly. And Candy Wheeler, an internationally recognized leadership coach and now friend, had invited me to speak in her podcast, Words of a Warrior, to share about my experience of surviving suicide and the divine intervention that I encountered. So you can also listen to this episode in her podcast, um, but we have decided to also share it on my podcast channel as well um, just because this is also something that I have, have been wanting to talk about but I will get into that later on. And so this decision to speak about this topic and share my experience with you actually came about when Candy shared a video about a man who attempted suicide and survived. And he experienced a divine intervention as I did. 
And when I saw that video, I was so touched because I resonated with it a lot. And for the first time about this topic, I was like, wow, this guy went through a similar experience as to what I went through. And I felt that, okay, I'm not crazy. There are people who went through similar experiences as I. Now, of course, I knew already when I watched that video that I am not crazy. But, you know, I think it just like added that extra layer of um, validation and just like, okay. And it was as if like that was the little kick that I needed to be able to share this experience to the public. So I actually wanted to share about my experience of surviving suicide for a while now but i've always felt that people will would label me as crazy or you know just judge me or maybe i'm like giving people um, too much of my personal information um you know in the past i have been judged by people who were close to me at that time uh, after sharing this experience with them um, so I think after that, I was just like, okay, I'm not gonna share about this anymore with anyone. But the reason why I wanted to share this experience is not because I am looking for attention or sympathy, first of all, like it's not none of that. But it is because I feel this deep calling that perhaps this could help someone, perhaps this could help you. And I am not saying that by the end of this episode, you will be healed. That's not at all what I'm saying here. But perhaps you will feel heard, seen, understood, and validated. And that is important. And I want you to know that you are not alone. You are not alone. I'm with you and I hope that this episode will provide some hope for you or anyone who is struggling right now. Welcome back, everyone. I am honestly not sure how I feel about (laughs) what I want to say about today's conversation because what I was just explaining to my guest Natasha OM is that it even though many organizers have been doing the best that they can to release the stigma from the talk of depression mental illness anxiety suicide there's still, it's still such a touchy subject for many folks, but nonetheless, I wanted to bring this to the show because I don't want to skip over the fact that it's very present in our reality, especially in 2020, when a lot of us are dealing with maybe one of the hardest years of our lives, you know, and there are so many people out there struggling. And if that is you, we're definitely going to drop some resources below so you can tap into that but I want you to know that you're not alone in anything that you're you're going through no matter how extreme that is just know that there are people out there that can help and support you and today I have a very special guest who has been on the podcast before as you heard and she tapped into her experience with her mental health struggles and 
what she's done to help herself in that aspect, but she touched on something that I really wanted to dive deeper on. And so I brought her back today to really expand on her experience. So please help me give a warm welcome to Natasha. And Natasha, thank you so much for being here. And of course, being willing to be vulnerable and share your story today. Yeah, thank you so much, Candy, for like letting me come again <laughs> or asking me to come again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I really, I'm, as I told you, I'm really excited, but also super nervous to to mm-hmm. share what I'm about to share. So I really hope to whoever is listening right now, please do like hold me in your heart (laughs) as you're listening to this (laughs) yes we are holding so much space for this conversation Uh, I know you know all all of you tapping into this are holding it too and uh, so you know to start out to, to, to give you just a little bit of background Natasha you're nowadays a supporter of people you know, who, who are moving through all kinds of different emotions, right? And you do that in what ways are you doing that now? Yeah, so now I'm working with trauma, well, primarily trauma survivors, not but not just trauma survivors, also mm-hmm. just like anyone that's going through any um, emotional struggles or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, any struggles that they're facing in their life, even if it is in their relationships and I'm doing that through like somatic work somatic therapy somatic healing um, and it's basically working with the body mm-hmm. and of course the mind as well and yeah mm-hmm. uh, so such important work if you all haven't heard of somatic therapy it's honestly one of my favorite modalities for embodiment work because yes. we can do so much inner work, right? We can do so much mental um, work. We can do mindset, mantras, affirmations, all the good stuff. We can even rewire our subconscious mind. But, you know, our bodies store memories and emotions on a cellular level. And so that's what this work is all about. Lately, I've been seeing a chiropractor to really like get me back in alignment because, (laughs) you know, it's been such a big journey, as many of you know, for me of just completely transforming my entire life, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and so I think Natasha, your work is so, so important. And, you know, to, so I want people to know that you are a resource as well, that they can come to you if they are interested in this work. But what I want to dive into is that, you know, there's something, of course, that inspired Natasha to, to serve this particular population of people and in this particular way. And that's because she has a story and, and a powerful journey that she went on to really you know, help the, help people who may be in a space that she once was. And that's what we're going to dive into today. So Natasha, wherever you want to start, and I'm happy to just follow your lead on this one, but you know, what is it that you experienced that had you really want to start this work as a facilitator and as a, a therapist? Yeah. So um, I think just like many healers and therapists, maybe they too have their own stories, right? So mm-hmm. I have my own story and well, 
a lot of trauma. I grew up, I grew up and was exposed to a lot of trauma mm-hmm. um, from sexual violence at as a child, and then after that, just growing up in a really toxic environment, um, emotional abuse, even physical abuse. And mm-hmm. as a kid, uh, as a kid, you know, you're just born into this world and mm-hmm. you're learning, right? You need to learn and explore. Mm-hmm. But then I was born into this world with so much anger, not from me, like mm-hmm. from the people around me, mm-hmm. anger and danger. I saw all of that. And mm-hmm. I I still remember, you know, as, as a kid, I was already <laughs> very sensitive. Yeah. Um, I remember I always, always cried a lot. And even when I was reading, I remember this one moment, I read a comic and <laughs> I was crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my mom was like, why are you crying? And I was like, I don't know. Okay. I'm just so sad. <laughs> um, yeah. And so anyway, um, I was actually now looking back to what happened to me as a kid, I was actually suppressing a lot of emotions and memories mm-hmm. that of course, as a kid, you didn't know what, what is this? What, what am I feeling? You know, you don't really know these things. You don't know how to process either. Um, you're also supposed to learn to um, regulate your emotions from your parents. Our parents are supposed to teach us these things. But mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't have that um, support or resource. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't until I was... 20 years old mm-hmm. um, that was when everything came to the surface mm-hmm. and I yeah I well I or was already um, suicidal at the age of 14 mm-hmm. but I didn't know like why I was mm-hmm. suicidal you know it was just like I was just feeling so bad and of course I think I already knew at that time that the situation at home was really not good and I felt like I didn't have an, an adult to talk to mm-hmm. or just anyone to talk to about um, about my feelings and also to protect me mm-hmm. I wanted protection so 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 bad mm-hmm. I would go to like my counselor um, my school counselor who mm-hmm. I'm not sure if she was even like trained um, in these things right. but I was glad that she was just there even if it was um, not a lot of um, not such a big change. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, I was already suicidal at the age of 14. I, um, like did self-harm, mm-hmm. but then, and my, my mom found out, uh, but nothing happened. And then when, when I was 20 years old, that was just like I don't even know how how to describe it because it was just so 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 intense I was living in a country where I did not really speak the language super well Mm -hmm. Uh, I was still learning the language and I didn't have any close friends or family with me Mm -hmm. Um, the reason why I kind of like relapsed at that moment was because um I the the memory of the trauma that I had as a 
that I had like when I was a kid um it came back like it mm-hmm. came back because I really was pushing it down I didn't mm-hmm. want to remember it which mm-hmm. which is which makes sense you know people do this in order to survive to just mm-hmm. keep going in their lives mm-hmm. and so when it all came up to the surface um, plus I was really not in a place where <laughs> I had the support um, right. I really didn't know what to do uh, and plus mm-hmm. at that time I was in a relationship that was not really stable either and mm-hmm. it was triggering me a lot Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, um, yeah, I just felt so, so, so alone and well, I tried to end my life. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I tried to end my life there and by just att- like, it was like an attempt, a uh, suicide mm-hmm. and I, um, was brought to the hospital and mm-hmm. I received like attention and care at the hospital and I was given some some pills, you know, like antidepressants and mm-hmm. anti-anxiety pills. Like, it was so many pills mm-hmm. <laughs> from the psychiatrist. But, you know, with these things, though, I'm sure it can help. And also, I'm sure it's helping some people. I know that it's helping some people. I, I know some people who take these and it helps them. Mm-hmm it didn't really go to the root cause, right? It was just a Band-Aid and it made my feelings kind of numb um, Mm -hmm. and really made me see the world really foggy. And and so I I was taking it, but then I, I know, I consciously know like, well, my problems are still there and I still don't know what to do with with it uh, it was just a lot of problems with with my family also and just you know the memory from mm-hmm. from a child mm-hmm. uh, I mean from my childhood mm-hmm. and so even with the pills I actually tried to end my life by overdosing from the pills that was given to me mm. from the hospital Wow. And um, I was seeing also psychologist uh, apart from seeing the psychiatrist, and she she's she saved me. Um, she brought me to the hospital again. <laughs> well, not mm-hmm. the first time was not uh, her that brought me to the hospital, but yeah, I went to the hospital again. And this time, I was held in the intensive care unit, and there I felt like I was in jail because (laughs) they didn't let me see um they didn't let me see my boyfriend at the time they didn't let me see like really anyone like I would they I can receive guests but only certain moments Mm -hmm. and I didn't I couldn't have my phone couldn't have like a book um no tv like nothing you know I isolation I so isolation totally isolation and you know I cannot get out of bed so like Mm. in the I I peed like (laughs) right there you know they had like the the thing attached to me so that I don't Mm -hmm. have to get off get out of bed to pee wow Wow. but yeah if it was so 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 scary and even when I was there I felt so unsafe like right now I just 
thinking of that moment, mm-hmm. I felt so alone and once again abandoned mm. um, and unprotected. And so my parents like, came came to came to that country where I was living mm-hmm. and basically told me like they got me out of the hospital and they're like, okay we need to you need to go back you need to take a break from school and stuff mm-hmm. um, and you maybe just take a break you know go back to Indonesia mm-hmm. and so when I went back to Indonesia um again like the problem was right. still there right, right. Because now you're back in the environment where it happened exactly I yeah. was back in the environment where it happened yeah which actually made it I guess kind of yeah made it worse because the reason why I left the country other than school school was kind of like a, a nice way to mm-hmm. a nice reason to to leave um, the country where I'm from but mm-hmm. deep inside I think I knew like I just wanted to escape and start a new life right right in another country so mm-hmm. I went back to Indonesia and I tried to um continue getting support you know I Mm -hmm. wanted to heal I really wanted to heal I went to um, find psychologists uh, or psychiatrists and Mm -hmm. psychiatrists and each and every one of them I think I went to like maybe five to seven I don't even remember how many Um, they were either all full like fully booked Mm. (laughs) it was crazy I didn't don't even know how that can happen it was like fully booked or um or they were too afraid to take care of me to Mm -hmm. support me once they because when I was um I was living in Madrid before so -hmm. when I was in Madrid um my psychologist and and psychiatrist, I was diagnosed with BPD, uh, mm. borderline personality disorder, and also PTSD and CPTSD. Mm-hmm. And so I took, like, with this diagnosis, when I went to Indonesia and I told them, like, okay, I was diagnosed with these things, and they were all kind of scared. Uh, mm-hmm. This is another thing, like, there's still so much stigma around, like, BPD, for example, right, right. that that people are scared to, to work with patients who have this diagnosis when actually there's nothing guys like I'm telling you right now as someone who has um, been diagnosed with this diagnosis like we just need your attention and support and love I think just like every other human being on this earth right we shouldn't um be how do you say like separated yeah uh, or just discriminated because of our diagnosis you right. know so I really felt like that uh, in Indonesia mm-hmm. and um, also in Indonesia there's like if you think there's still so much stigma uh, in the US or Europe there's mm-hmm. a lot more in Indonesia like mm-hmm. a lot more mm-hmm. um, well and would you would you say it's like a religious type of thing because I feel like when I was in Bali they believe in like black magic there and so do you think it was more so like they were kind of um relating it to some sort of like maybe possession or something like that 
Yeah. And you know, that's actually quite common. Like that's not even just in Indonesia or a third world country. Um, people who do have like heavily religious beliefs can like typically consider uh, diagnosis is like BPD, uh, a spirit, like a spiritual thing. And in reality, it's actually not, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's actually a chemical imbalance. Right. And, and it's, you know, outside pressure and all of that stuff that, that can trigger that, you know, experience, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I can definitely see how that they could, they yeah. could feel like scared, to work yeah. with a patient who who is experiencing that for sure. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, mm-hmm. It there there's so many people who think that like yeah maybe because also of how they were educated in terms of like you say faith or even mm-hmm. um, just the cultural as well, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Indonesia, we're such a superstitious country. Right. It's like. Uh, like don't don't give anything from your left hand you have to give it from your right hand because the left hand is like uh disrespectful blah 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 you know I'm from Indonesia and I completely respect their traditions and stuff but I think like with um possession (laughs) uh someone who has mental health diagnosis and they're possessed I don't I don't believe in that you know right and that's not that's not true but yeah definitely I'm so glad that you mentioned that because actually when I went back to Indonesia and I had Mm -hmm. another crisis, I don't know if I told you this already, maybe, Mm. maybe I did, but even maybe if not, I'm going to tell it again. Yeah, of course. Um, So yeah, when I went back to Indonesia and I had another like crisis because I was once again, I went back to Indonesia, I was alone. I was alone. I didn't really have like all my friends they were um in universities Mm. they were already like like away Mm -hmm. and um, my sister was not living there she was living in the U.S. and still is and um well my family member I'm not gonna say the title I told this family member um well Hold on, how am I going to say it? So yeah, it's okay. uh, she was not really there either. So she, because she was afraid. She was mm-hmm. afraid. Um, mm-hmm. She was afraid of mm-hmm. how to how to help me, how to approach me, mm-hmm. um, this person. And then finally she went home and as in like, she went home to be with me, mm-hmm. um, this family member. And mm-hmm. uh, I told her when I was in Madrid that I received Reiki. I received Reiki for the first time. Mm-hmm. And if, I mean, you know Reiki, right? And yeah. how it's so like wonderful, actually. And I received Reiki and Reiki was actually the modality that opened me up. Right. <laughs> that brought oh, everything to the that. surface. Yeah, it brought everything to the surface. I when I ha- when I experienced it, I didn't expect anything, but I was open. You know, I'm like, okay, right. let's just try it. Brought everything to the surface, but after that, I didn't know how to process it. Um, and so when I told this person that I did that, she was like, "Oh, it's uh, it's because you did that Reiki thing, and um, I'm sure like." you got some demon in inside you within mm. you because of that 
Wow. And and so she took out a Bible, not a Bible, the Bible, and <laughs> read out a passage <laughs> from the Bible to me, kind of like an exorcism. Wow. <laughs> and I was just like literally looking at her like, what the hell? What is, <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> like they're like, yeah, no, uh, no, um, no, I don't have a demon in me. I'm just really sad. <laughs> But I was just like, okay, you know what? You're not gonna understand me. You know, again, once again, I respect faith and religion I really do respect it but mm-hmm. at that time I just really needed attention and care right right um totally. and okay so after that uh once again I felt all alone and no one could understand me and also because the psychologists at the one that I the ones that I went to in Indonesia didn't really know how to support me I literally like I remember this doctor so well she just looked at me and she was like uh you know I don't even remember what she said but I remember the look so well I remember when I told her of my diagnosis and she was just like um yeah uh we're full (laughs) Wow. So all <laughs> so, of these doctors that you were trying you were trying to get help from, all of these psychologists and psychiatrists were either full or quote unquote full, like maybe or maybe they yeah. were just afraid and avoiding working with you as a patient because of what you were experiencing. Wow. That's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I felt even more rejected. Mm-hmm. from the society you know because of my trauma as well I already felt rejected because of that I already think that okay the world is really a dangerous place right. but then when I have this little fire within me no but I can move on I can do this I can heal and then I receive more of that rejection it feels right. like okay then there's nothing here for me you know I'm right. broken it really made me believe that I am broken, even though mm. we all know like, okay, that's not true. No one is broken. Right. Right. But at that time, I really believed that I'm yeah. freaking broken. No one can fix me. Um, mm. My, my family members think I'm crazy. Don't want to approach mm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I was home alone. Um, uh, one of the days on one of the days I was home alone and I honestly just tried to end my life again. Like mm, this time, so this is, I... Yeah. yeah. Three attempts yeah. so far at this point, right? Because there was the one initial one from the hospital, then the one overdosing on the drugs that they uh-huh. gave you, and then now back yeah. in Indonesia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, the one back in Indonesia, that was the... Just, I think that that was really like the time that, okay that's it that's it mm. you know, just stop it already stop mm. even just trying to like attempt suicide this time was like that's it mm. um and yeah so this is really tough for me to say but yeah, okay. I'm going to share it because maybe it can help someone or yeah mm-hmm. um so I was just home alone and When you're when you're at that state, you have this tunnel vision. Um, you see nothing else, and 
you know, after so many like rejections from so many people. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I tried to hang myself. Mm. No, I did hang myself. I mm. hang myself in one of the bedrooms um, of our old home in Indonesia. No one was there. So, you know, mm. no one could have known, no one could have, I, yeah. So, um, so I hung myself and I was out for, for, for a few moments. Um, I don't remember how long it was, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it just kind of like all went black for me. Mm-hmm. Um, until at one moment when I really heard a voice and I don't know whose voice this is. Mm. It was like, you can believe whatever you want, like the divine Jesus, Allah, um, Mm -hmm. angels, my higher self, whoever. But I heard these voices Mm -hmm. and they said, this is not the end for you. You have Mm. to, um, you have to keep going and that you are sorry it's really hard for me okay. to say it yeah, okay. um you're here to help others mm. you're here to help you're here to help others using your story using what happened to you and i remember he, when i heard that voice i was like no i was like no mm-hmm. no i don't i don't want to believe in that like no no that's too much pressure and responsibility right. <laughs> you know and especially when I felt like just so much rejection from mm-hmm. the world why would I want to help people mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and and then um I literally felt like this like someone kicked me or not kicked mm-hmm. me like pushed me mm-hmm. and in this like jolt and then I went um I was I opened my eyes and then I dropped on the floor um and I was just crying I was crying mm-hmm. crying crying and and I took a breath and I was like oh, and I was like no 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 I was like why you know <laughs> literally like oh. why why like like really like is that really what I'm supposed to do right. like I don't want to do that there's just so much responsibility and pressure wow. but um like hearing that voice, it made me feel like I had support. Mm-hmm. You know, like pe- there were always yeah, guides yeah. watching me and being there for me. But at the same time, I was just also so angry and upset. Like, yeah, why, why are you just helping me now? You know, right. I'm, I've, I'm, I've just been so sad and. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful, Natasha. Thank you for sharing all of that. And, you know, even going to the extent of sharing like that, you know, the details of what occurred for you. And that's definitely not that I came into this conversation with expectations, but that's definitely not what I at all saw coming in, in the experience that you were going to share, but it's actually quite common I want to say in in stories of of near-death experiences or attempts of suicide the that you know they have this experience with the divine you know like you did and 
And, and also that jolt of kicking us back into this life, right? Like that's actually, I've heard that multiple times, not just from you. So it definitely, like, as you're sharing, I don't know if you, you all listening felt this, but I just felt like these chills all through my body, you know, that this is actually, you know, what Natasha experienced is, is actually very real and, and that's just yeah. oh my gosh so amazing yeah definitely it was um very yes. and thank you for listening and holding me in your hearts yes. um but yeah I never really shared this story to so many people because they would think that I'm crazy right. <laughs> I remember actually sharing this story to um certain people and they just kind of looked at me like really wow <laughs> and so it's like okay you know what I'm not gonna share a story <laughs> wow uh, um but yeah it, I I will always remember that moment um anytime now like when I'm feeling so low mm-hmm. when I feel like am I really supposed to do this? Am I supposed to continue in this life, in this crazy world that we're living Mm -hmm. in? Because honestly, like the world can be beautiful, but sometimes, you know, you look around, you look at the news and you're just like, wow, wow, why? Um, And I just remember back of this moment, I mean, yeah, that moment back then, and I was just like, okay, just keep going keep going Mm. you never know whose hearts you're going to touch whose lives you're going to change even if it is by just one word one sentence one hug you know Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, so powerful and so true and like that's kind of what I want to dive into next because you know, this is such a, it's more common than we think. Unfortunately, that's just the times that we live in. Right. Um, and so, so many people I know feel that way, you know, feel like they're alone. And also I know there's people that maybe are, maybe know somebody who's experiencing something like that and might be scared. Yeah and might just not know how to approach them. And so the first question that came to me to ask you was, you know, what, how would you have been, how would you have wanted to be approached by your loved ones during that time of, of great grief, you know, depression, you know, those thoughts of suicide and and whatnot, how, how would you have wanted them to, to come to, to come and support you because the way they didn't, right. Just like, didn't, yeah. <laughs> you know, it didn't help the situation. If anything, it made it worse. Yeah. That's such a great question. Yeah. So I would have, and I think this could be really helpful for a lot of people to um, validation first, like, I, I hear you. I, I know that it must be so tough for you and I may not know exactly what you're feeling but just by what you're telling me or or just by looking at you um, it really touched my heart or it makes me feel like you know I want to hug you or something you know just Mm -hmm. that validation first you don't need to understand what the other person is truly feeling and then after that just asking them like 
I would love to hear more of how you're feeling. Um, is there anything that I can do? Even mm-hmm. if I cannot fix the problem or help mm-hmm. you with the problem, but maybe I can just, you know, just be here and listen to you or give you um, a nice hug, take mm-hmm. you to lunch or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like dance with you. Um, just that, that is so important. I, yeah, I don't think I needed um fixing because what happened in the past you know you cannot you cannot like uh change the past also no one technically needs fixing but we just need to feel like we are um supported that Mm -hmm. we are important too Mm -hmm. we don't need to be the most important that we are also important that we are we can be a part of the society that we can belong that we are right. seen that we are heard mm-hmm. just that is so important and as you have heard me telling the story mm-hmm. um, from my childhood I didn't feel heard seen mm-hmm. connected belonged you know didn't those are our basic needs I didn't feel safe mm-hmm just creating that safe space for me. And once again, or, or anyone, once again, you don't need to know. You don't need yeah. to, to know exactly how they're feeling. You don't need to be, you don't need to have like some um, degree, psychology degrees to right, right, know how right. to help me and support me. Mm-hmm. I even think without even saying anything. Yeah. Just looking into the, the other person's eyes and not your head and mm-hmm. mm, just that like what you're doing right now even if it is through uh, our virtual Zoom. call <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you know and I think Natasha there's something that I feel called to share here and it's there's a there's a step before that level of compassion I think and that's like putting yourself aside you know because Mm -hmm. I think some people depending on how close this person is to you can be reactive and can be upset and can be angry at the individual who's experiencing the depression experiencing the you know whatever you, you name it whatever they're going through there's almost like this initial Uh, reactive space that people go through that's like you know um, we all go through things like you know or whatever else and and like take it personal right like kind of kind of make it personal I want to say and I think that that part needs to be talked about too because you know when someone's going through something I think there's no there's, there's nothing more important than to understand that you in this, your feelings or whatever else that you're experiencing, that's in a reaction to that, or your whatever, whatever it is that's triggering you at this point, um, kind of gets to be put aside for a second, you know, um, you, you can work through that, you know, or you can, you can, you also get to have support in that too, but also you know to to be able to show this level of compassion right it takes kind of putting like really understanding that this is not about you you know yeah yeah you are so right so Mm -hmm. right and I'm so glad that you uh brought that up 
mm-hmm. especially if it is like with your loved ones, right? Yeah. And they're telling you all of the things that they're feeling and what they've been through. And you just feel like, oh, no, um, I did something wrong. Right. <laughs> it's like the fixer. It's like the fixer yeah. mentality, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I and and this actually comes up a lot in like a lot of masculine roles. I know this, but also mm-hmm. like I, I've gone through it, too, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I can, you know, I can be the first person to raise my hand and be like, when somebody's going through something like, oh, I can be the one to make it better for you. And when I can't, that means there's something wrong with me. Right. And so I'm so glad this conversation went here because I think it's important to talk about that. It's, it's not your job to fix the person. And, and even another level, it's okay for them to be feeling the way that they're feeling. And in fact, it's quite, it's, it's quite valid. Right. And so, you know, it doesn't, you don't, I think that can be the, the thing. And especially a lot of moms, you know, I know my mom used to hate it when I was upset. Jada Pinkett Smith talks about this all the time with, with Willow, her daughter. She's like, <laughs> I couldn't even stand, like, take that in another room when you were crying because she just couldn't be with, she, she couldn't be with that level of emotion. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah totally, totally. And so just know that one, it's not about you Two, you don't have to fix it you don't, you don't have to fix it, but literally what you're mm-hmm. saying is all you needed was somebody to just be there, you know, and to, yeah. and to just like mm-hmm. reassure that you're not alone and that your feelings are, are valid and you're yeah. not crazy, you know, yeah. and, and all of that. And that, that doesn't take much, you guys, that really doesn't yeah. take much. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take much. Yeah. I can, um, I also find myself like the, as the fixer sometimes, yeah. especially because of my job too, right? And so yeah. I'm like that sometimes in uh, with my family or friends. I'm like, okay, I need to help them ASAP. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but no, sometimes I need. I just also need to apply. Especially, I think it um, affects you more when it's with your loved ones, right? Yes. For example, if it's with your clients uh, and stuff, it's a little bit different. They're just like, okay, to be you. unattached exactly so much easier but if it's like with your partner for example um it's just like oh no now he's feeling like this or she's feeling like this um Mm -hmm. what is great though I now like tell myself okay it's not about me exactly what you said it's not about me and even uh, for example mm-hmm. with my husband we practice this as well because sometimes you know he goes through his frustration as well like with work or just life in general mm-hmm. um before I used to always be like oh my goodness he's complaining and mm-hmm. so I need to do something about it or it's my fault uh he would just tell me before it's not about you okay it's nothing personal but I just need to like say what I'm feeling and say everything that I need to Mm. say so I was like okay and at that moment I literally like step out (laughs) step out of this like wife mode and the person who needs to feel and fix I was more in this neutral place and I also stayed with my breath Mm. I stayed with my breath and I was like okay and if he says something that can be hurtful I'm just like okay it's not about me he's 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 uh, upset he's he's hurt or something he's stressed Mm -hmm. and it's okay I can just let that go and hold the space for him like 
with mm. every breath I was literally I, I right. do that no, often literally. with myself like yeah literally with every breath I'm letting go what mm. was like what he's saying it enters and then I let it go with my breath you know nice. oh, such so a powerful it, tool. it's yeah such a powerful tool our breath shout out so to that's our what breath. I do <laughs> shout out to our breath hashtag <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um yeah so I do that now with all of my loved ones even my close friends my my family members and uh, yeah but I just want to recognize that yes it is tough yeah tough to practice this 100% especially if they're not like just some strangers that you meet or your clients Mm -hmm. Um, so I get it yeah totally (laughs) it's yeah it takes a lot a lot of practice (laughs) like yeah and and, I think no go ahead um yeah I was just gonna say like if you're if you're you know struggling with this it's okay because we are you know Natasha and I aren't sitting up here like yeah we got it all figured out right like we're on this journey (laughs) with you (laughs) we're like right here with you we're practicing ourselves yeah we might have some tools in our tool belt and that Mm -hmm. came through our journey of you know number one going through it but number two then you know deciding that we were going to get better at helping others but make no mistake like it is a struggle so it's okay to not have it perfect but something that you said uh, we, you know, with what you and your partner do, like context is everything. Like the fact that he said, you know, Hey, this isn't about you. I just need to share what's on my heart right now or what, what, what I'm dealing with right now. I just need a vent. And so right away you can take that and like, Oh, it's not about you versus like a projection rather. And this is still, it's still important to do the work on the other end to know what's not about you. But Um, whereas it's like, you do this or you do that and you're making me feel this way. Right. Like that's like your partner projecting, right. Which is a whole, it isn't, it's, you can take the same, let's, let's even take the same complaints, the same primary complaints and then add, add add a little context in like, Hey, this isn't Mm -hmm. about you. And it's a game changer. So, you know, just even just for a communication tool, just add a little bit of context and say, you know, this isn't about you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also changing that from you to I. Right. I feel I feel sad because of this. Or right. I feel angry when I see you doing this, when I know mm-hmm. that blah, blah, blah. But you see, it's so much yeah. different than rather starting with you. Yeah. Because immediately the person th- already like... Um, detached from the conversation like okay oops <laughs> bell right. like smoke detector alarm saying like danger defense. danger yeah defense yes, exactly mode. defense mode uh they're gonna say something bad about me so i need to get yep. ready yeah. and fight back <laughs> right right totally oh yeah. so good so good so yeah that's just one thing i wanted to say because you know especially like you said when it's your loved one it can be something that you may take personal initially because you know in a sense you might feel like they're abandoning you you know and that's just not true you know they're just really in a space where they you know they can't fully show up in the way that you might expect them to you know and and that's okay you know it's not they're not supposed to 
And so, mm-hmm. you know, really put yourself aside here, uh, you know, and not to say like your feelings aren't important, you know, but, but really understand what the, I want to say, understand the depth of what's really going on. Hopefully after hearing Natasha's story, you really like get the depth and you really start to show up for the people that you love in your life in a different way. Yeah, yeah. And the work really does come from the both side, from mm-hmm. the someone who is sharing the story and someone who's listening, right? Right. As we totally. mentioned. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for <laughs> listening. And uh, I just want to also say uh, that whoever, if you can resonate with my story of, or if it has happened, something like that um, to you, really know that you are not alone Mm -hmm. honestly you're really not alone um pain pain is real pain Mm -hmm. is real and you and they're totally valid your pain is totally valid but then after that pain and suffering are two totally different entities Mm -hmm. and we can choose to either suffer from our pain or um you know, rise above our pain and be like mm. a phoenix. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah, totally, totally. Natasha, thank you so much for sharing your story. I, you know, if anybody is going through, you know, dark times right now, what would be the first thing that you suggest to them? Mm. 100% get support. Even if you cannot um, afford getting support find some maybe some support groups uh, some free groups or there are like practitioners who also give like sliding scale options or look for any free things that are offered out there um, even if it is just like a free class of um, qigong for example i've been doing qigong now f- almost every day and i love it <laughs> uh the qigong for example is a is an embodiment practice or like yeah. a somatic practice mm-hmm. and yeah so approach approach it holistically also is so important right you're not just your mind you're also your body and your soul as well if you want to believe in that but th- that's the truth <laughs> yeah if you're yeah, here, yeah. you probably do believe in that. Yeah, you probably, you probably do believe. <laughs> if you're here listening, you know. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, everyone listening. Oh my God, yeah, I love that. Like, you know, get support. And and there, there are resources out there. You know, I can say this. I went through definitely a, a, a dark time in my life where I would say that I was suicidal too. And Mm. I remember intentionally isolating myself um, Mm. and like very strategically isolating myself. And um, my friends at the time were defensive. Like, why aren't you coming out? Why aren't you doing this? Like, don't be lame, blah, 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 blah. All this stuff Mm -hmm. versus just like checking in like, hey, are you okay? Like, how are you feeling? What's Mm. going on? I haven't seen you in a while. You know, just kind of stuff like that versus automatically making it about you, you know? And so I think there's just so many teachable moments in this podcast that you can, you know, circle back to, but you know, whether, whether you're the one experiencing that dark time, you know, um, or you're, you're the one like, 
you know, having someone in your life go through that now, hopefully after listening to this, you kind of have a different perspective and a different understanding of, you know, what's actually, what's, you know, what's actually on the table and, and how to, you know, how to manage that. And if you don't feel like you have that yet, um, you know, I'm sure we'll dive into a couple more things, but, um, we'll definitely drop a couple resources, like I said, in the, in the show notes and, you know, Natasha and I are available too. So you can reach out to either one of us and, you know, we'll drop our, our handles and you guys know how to reach me, but I think that's one thing that I definitely wanted to share too. Yeah. And, um, so if you know someone who might be experiencing uh, these struggles or maybe you don't know, maybe you sense mm-hmm. someone who could be going through this, I think it's so important to check in on the people in our lives, especially the ones who might seem like they have it all together. Yeah. Because I really if you look at it on this if you looked at it on the surface it looks like oh like she was I'm I'm, I was a good student you know Mm kind of looked like I had it all together but I really wasn't Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely that's where that meme comes through strong like check on your strong friends Yes. Yeah. Check on your strong friends and check on your high functioning friends. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. So much good stuff, Natasha. Thank you so much for being willing to come on and, and to share your story. I know it wasn't easy, but um, you know, I'm happy that we all had the opportunity to listen to this and to really, you know, shift our perspective around the matters of, of mental health and, depression suicide all of that and I just appreciate you so much I think this needs to be a book so it probably will be knowing me you know I'm gonna be like Natasha where's your book at (laughs) whoever is a publisher that's listening who wants to sponsor me (laughs) publishers hey hey. Hey. (laughs) yes yeah oh my gosh I personally would dive into that book and just like love every part about it especially if it's anything like what you shared today so Natasha thank you so much again for being here thank you thank you and yeah I just truly hope it can help you or anyone else in your life thank you so much Candy it's Mm. such a pleasure really like always (laughs) always oh my gosh such a great conversation well (laughs) my heart is like expanding all the time in this in this uh conversation (laughs) yeah oh thank you for saying that I love it you know the podcast really is something that just started out as an idea that kind of scared me a little bit. Honestly, I avoided it for some time, but it's become one of the most beautiful spaces to hang out with some of the most epic people like yourself. And I just love it. And, you know, the fact that we're contributing to women all over the world, if you're listening to this, let us know where (laughs) you're listening from too. And just thank you all for being here and, and tuning in, right? This, this podcast wouldn't be what it is without the people listening so thank you for tuning in and everybody everybody listening we will catch you on the next episode thank you yeah i hope you have had some amazing takeaway from this episode and thank you so much for listening to the resilient chat with nat 
be sure to subscribe to listen to more uplifting conversations and teachings and take a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at N-A-T-H-A-S-Y-A-O-M so I know that you're listening, learning, and growing. If you love this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps the podcast to be found by people who are like you, who are on their healing journey or personal growth journey. Other than that, please be sure to tune in for the next episode and I'll talk to you next time. I can't wait to share more with you. I am sending you love.